So welcome to Deconstructing Health and Fitness with Chris Wilkins and Elizabeth Hefner. We're going to take a look at a lot of things going on in health and fitness today, and we're going to decide whether or not they're actually useful, whether they apply to you, or whether they're really taking you in the wrong direction. So over a decade of coaching, clients led me to believe that the only way for people to experience lasting change is for them to understand their habits and systems they have currently in place and move from there. I apply a scientific approach to that. We change a thing. We look at how it works. We decide if it's working or not, and then we change something else and we repeat. You can't just coach one aspect of health and fitness. You have to coach them all at once. So today on Deconstructing Health and Fitness, I've got a special guest. His name is Armando Rojas, and he has been training consistently for a very long time now, but he came to fitness later in his life. And I thought it would be really interesting for everybody to hear a bit about his story and his journey on how he got to where he is today and some of the really important things that he's learned. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. So welcome, Armando. Chris, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. We do lots of different activities together, but this, is, this is the first time we've done a podcast. So yeah. this will be fun. That's exciting. So... Tell me a little bit about what led you to your sort of fitness transformation. And I use that word sparingly, but in this case, I think it's really valid. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted you to come on today is because your transformation is something I hope more people learn how to achieve. Well, for many years, I've tried different methods uh, on my own. I've hired different people to train me and it was always, um, them dictating or telling me what to do. And I didn't find that natural. It's it just, that's not how we learn things mm. till you came along and you taught me something completely different. You involved me in a lot of the, of the, the big part of my fitness journey. Mm -hmm. You were the first person that actually listened to what I had to say. Mm. Everybody else was just telling me and ordering me and, and suggesting things to do you actually took the time to listen and that's uh I, I was overweight I weighed uh 100 240 pounds and I was out of shape working at a restaurant and I felt that my life was either going to change or it was going to be really out of shape and it was going to be to the point where I was going to need medication for some illnesses so it felt like you were kind of at a crossroads if you needed to to change something, yes. but you weren't quite sure where to start. And you, Correct. you weren't happy with the things. That I you was tried not before. happy. Not at all. Okay. And you had a lot of other challenges too. I know you've had some, you know, recovery setbacks before you've had a couple of serious injuries and mm -hmm. you, you've taken care of people a lot. And so you had a very full plate at the time that you decided to make this change as yes. well, because this isn't about me. Like this isn't about, um, you know, me being a great coach. This is about you learning all of the things that you needed to learn to be able to implement them into your your life and to maintain them right so that's sort of what i want you to to highlight next is like what was that journey like for you oh that's interesting i never looked at it that way it's it's the first time that you've asked me that uh it's always been about me surrounding myself with all the people but mm -hmm. it's um as far as me learning some of the things um I would have to say that things were out of control in my life and, and taking control of as, as small things. That's what gave me the empower me to, to change uh, from my food to creating time for myself to work out, to not being afraid of food. Those are a few things that I learned along the way. Mm. 
And so you feel like not just your health and fitness was out of line. You feel like it was a greater yes. sort of your oh, whole absolutely. life. Yes. My whole life was just out of control. Mm. Just, I, I, I felt that I was powerless against all the, all the things that from day to day, you have no control over what's going to happen during your day. Like your sort of routine was set up and there was not much you could do to yes. change it. Mm-hmm. It was mm. work, um, toxic relationship, work, and it, it was just that. Mm. It's interesting you bring up um, relationships because this has been a big theme this week for a lot of my clients. And I find this happens frequently as, you know, I don't know what it is, but there seem to be themes for weeks. And Liz and I talk about this all the time. Um, and this seems to be this week's theme. So I'm curious to know, you know, how... How do you feel like changing that aspect of your life empowered you specifically? And I know obviously it empowers you to get out of a toxic relationship. That's not what I mean. I mean more like what was the the catalyst or was there a specific moment or was there like something that happened that made you realize this is the thing that needs to change? And how did you know that was the moment? The moment. <laughs> Sorry, these are tough ones, huh? No, no. The, 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 the moment it was, uh, it was... Um, one night, because we always have the big questions mm-hmm. in, in our life and, and we always put them in the back burner and we don't think about them. We just, cause we're afraid mm-hmm. to actually concentrate on those, on those issues in our lives. And it was one night I woke up in the middle of the night and I asked myself, what am I doing with my life? Is mm-hmm. this, is this how I want to live my life? And then right away I, I, Push it aside and I said, I don't want to talk about that right now because mm. I, I I will not be able to go to sleep again. And I was so afraid. And then the next morning I said, I, I don't want to live this life. Um, my In my relationship, my partner, she was um, a bit older than me, 10 years older than me. And that was one of my biggest concerns. I was, um, she was going to be older than me and I was going to have to take care of her. Mm. And I didn't want to be alone just in case something were to happen to her uh-huh. and she was heavy drinker heavy smoker i knew she was going to be um needing a lot of my help and i i had to uh, i had to escape that relationship uh, what a hard decision to make that's too, hard because you're sort of having to balance the like care you have for that person and wanting to take care of them with your own needs right yes. and this is actually something that's really critical when we talk about improving your health and fitnesses and PN puts it like put your own oxygen mask on first. And that can be such a super difficult decision to make when you see somebody else suffering too. Right. So like, that's amazing. And that's why I'm asking the question is because it takes something, it takes a moment or it takes um, a specific situation for you to decide that you are worth it. Right. And I yes. think that's what you're you're driving at with what you're saying is that you had you decided, hey, wait, I, I'm worth it. I don't want to do this right now. Yes. OK. So, I mean, that's the big moment. And we see this, you know, and it's the it's the end of the first half of the, or the first part of the year where we typically see this Russian fitness every year where people decide to make changes and and everything. And you you end up with sort of a couple of different groups of people and you you see the people who. They, they repeat this cycle every year. They get super motivated to be healthy for a few weeks and then they kind of fall off the wagon. And that's for lots of reasons we talk about in other episodes of the podcast. And then you see people who have a deep transformative experience that stick it out and change, right? And so identifying that moment for you is really, really helpful to then sort of lay out the process for how you, how you continue to move forward 
when things don't go to plan or when things get derailed, right? So I want to actually uh, chime in on this um, because I think this is so powerful, Armando, um, this talk about caregiving for others and how it really, I mean, it can, it can really derail just your own self-care. Like I, not a full-blown caregiver for my parents uh, right now, but I do pretty much talk with them almost every day with them asking me to help them with this or that, especially anything in regards to the internet and they're both disabled. And um, this morning, I want to use this morning today as an example, because Chris, you were talking about you know, it can happen. It can be a, a really big giant thing, like a, you know, a relationship and then getting out of a relationship. And it could also be like, Oh, Oh, today I, you know, today I slept like today I was working all day and then my parents were calling me for help. And I spent an hour and a half helping them with applications online. And I feel I didn't even eat breakfast. I've had, you know, I didn't get to do my workout yet. And I just feel like a complete train wreck. And with my work with Chris and working, you know, with, um, with her as a coach, I, I, I now am, even though I've, I kind of slipped up today, I feel like I'm going to, after this, I'm going to go and go on my hike and get some nature and get some exercise in and some me time, because I know that I can't not only help myself, but I can't continue to help anyone else if I'm not at a good, in a good place. So putting the oxygen mask on yourself first, I think is such a wonderful metaphor, Chris, because yeah. I think that it's important for people to know that, you know, like I, like I said, it could be a big thing, like getting out of a toxic relationship that's not serving you, but it also is like these daily slip ups of like, Oh my God, my cat had to go to the vet. And so I didn't take a shower or, you know, I ate some McDonald's instead of, you know, you know, it's like these little things, but you have to like go back later and, and be like, okay, well, I need to take care of myself because I got no self-care this morning. Well, I think it, I think the oxygen mask analogy is so fantastic because it is genuine, like genuinely like suffocating yourself. Right. And you can suffocate yourself really quickly, like going out an airlock (laughs) into space, (laughs) in the back of a space. And those are those big transformation moments that people have, but you can suffocate by just having too low of an oxygen content in the air that you're breathing every day too, you know, and it makes you foggy and slow and not sure what's going on. And, And that's actually the harder situation to initiate change from, you know, it's these, it's these big moments that people talk about when they talk about their transformation stories. And that's not always how it happens. Sometimes it is you wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, something's just not right. This is just not okay. It's not bad enough for me to do something immediately about it, but I can't keep doing this inevitably. So I have to change something. And this is where we we get back to the idea of small change. And what you said was like, I, the fact that you kind of came at it, just changing a few things that gave you the ability to take control of more things rather than trying to literally like eject yourself out of an airlock and change everything and at once. It, it, it's a lot easier to just stay busy and, and not focus on that. Oh, for sure. Oh, it, it's just, it's, it's a perfect escape. You can mm-hmm. just stay busy and, 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 and put more things on your plate and it's more of a distraction. Yeah. But when you just focus on, on the actual problem or the actual, um, what's stopping you from liberating yourself? That is, it's, it's, it's a, it's a moment of fear 
But then after after you get past that, it's so liberating. Yes, but you have to go through the fear. And that's actually the point where a lot of people turn back. And this is where coaching does matter, right? This is where the, the actual reaching out and finding a support system you know, yes. And it doesn't have to necessarily have to be a coach. It can be a group of other people that are trying to achieve the same thing. And, and honestly, some of the best solutions I've ever seen um, come out of group coaching sessions where people are brainstorming together on how to help each other. And that's the best. Like, I love that kind of situation because it isn't about one person's experience or ideas that are going to change your life forever. It's learning from lots of different people so that you can cherry pick the things that are going to work for you. Absolutely. Right. And so that's sort of the other thing I wanted you to talk about, because you haven't just worked as worked with me as a coach over the last four years. You know, we've done a lot of different things together. You know, we've we've worked on swimming and we've done running and we've done hiking and mountain biking and all of these outdoor things and all of the strength and conditioning stuff. That and we have surrounded ourselves with the different people. Right. I, well, uh, a lot of all the different coaches along the way. And it's. Um, it's surrounding yourself with like-minded people that like to do things the outdoor things and but also it's having these conversations you know occasionally hmm. that it, it's um it's food for the for the soul oh that's nice it is isn't it because it sort of reinforces some of the changes that you have made as well right because it can feel and you can testify to this in the sense that you've been doing this a very long time now I mean, not as long as you were not doing it yet, but there have been peaks and valleys and there have been challenges along the way. Would you say like, I didn't, this wasn't in the list of things we discussed we were going to talk about, but it's coming up now. So I'm going to ask, would you say that you feel like your progress was super linear? Like if you look back over the last four years, it was like on day one, I started. And then by day 420, I had a direct straight line of, you know, progress from that first day till now or till then. No, no. I would say it was more of a, um, a lot of ups and downs and a lot of, uh, um, oh, I never got sidetracked. I always knew what I wanted as a goal and it was just better health. I didn't want to, I didn't want to invest time, money and, and other things. Um, <laughs> sorry. About That's that. okay. We can cut it. Don't uh, worry. <laughs> I didn't want to invest um, time and money in, in, into this without knowing that I was going to get to my goal. And my goal was just better health. I didn't. How did you know, what did that look like? Cause sometimes I hear this um, from clients coming in or, you know, just other people like, Oh, I just want to be healthier. But how do you know when you're healthier? Like, what does that actually look like? How did you know you would achieve some of those goals? I, I didn't want to use people as comparison, but I know some of my uh, people, my same age, they're taking medication. They're taking medications to, to cure some of the illnesses, but they're actually, they're taking medication to, to treat, to manage, to manage. Yeah. Um, and I didn't want to be that way. And that, that's, that's how I sometimes compare myself. It's like, well, at least I'm not taking medication for this, or at least I'm not taking medication for that. I don't limit myself to yeah. do things. I mean, there's like the big three we can talk about, right? There's diabetes, there's high blood pressure and there's um, heart disease. So if we look at those three, like those are great markers for, I mean, comparative markers, mm-hmm. which are not always great markers, but in your case, you find this really motivating. It's like, I don't need any of these medications. And you feel like previously you could have been on I the could have been, yes. for that to be the case. Okay. That's, I mean, that's massive, right? But I think there's so much more that you've accomplished. 
And I know that this is not always the easiest thing for you because you're like me, you don't really like to talk about yourself, (laughs) but I'm going to try to get you to today because the amount of different things that I've watched you be completely brand new at, and then just stick to for long enough to become pretty darn good at like, just let's just look at your strength training journey alone. Right. Because you started out before you started in the gym, you hadn't really done any lifting of any kind. Absolutely. No. And so you managed to get up the courage and the motivation to walk into a gym for the first time and sign up for a personal trainer, which was not me, by the way, Mm -hmm. I was not the first person that Armando worked with. And so like, how, how was that? How did you get yourself through that first step? The first step? Well, it was, um, I've been working in the kitchen for a long time. Mm-hmm. So when you walk into a kitchen, you need somebody to train you, somebody to show you how to cook. And, and, and when you fly a, a plane, when you drive, you need somebody to teach you the first steps. Yeah. So it was that, me reaching out to a, a coach and asking, it happens to be a female, her, to coach me, to teach me what to do in the gym. Because I was lost. Mm-hmm. I would watch videos on YouTube and, and try to mimic what they do. But taking the first step and reaching out to somebody to teach you how to properly lift, how to properly uh, work out, it, it is humbling. And it's also, it, it's, I recommend that for anybody that walks into a gym, mm-hmm. not knowing what to do for the very first time. Yeah. And it's not something to be ashamed of not no, knowing how to use that equipment. I mean, there's thousands of pieces of equipment in a gym and, you know, some of them are fairly constrained so you can figure it out, but then you get a dumbbell and it's like, you have, if you've not really steeped yourself in fitness, how do you know what to do with that dumbbell? So the <laughs> difference between then and now, yeah, I feel so confident when I walk into a gym or when I walk into a setting of fitness, I feel so confident. I feel in my zone. I feel like I, I, I can do this. Yeah. How long do you think it took you to get from that sort of feeling of like, I don't know what's going on and I don't know what to do to like, I feel confident walking into any gym anywhere. I, I, I can't pinpoint the exact time that it happened. Um, but I, I recall this uh, one time I was, um, I showed up to class and the, the coach uh, was running late and the, um, the class asked me to coach, to coach. <laughs> and I said, no, 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 I'm, I'm here to train with you guys. I'm, I'm not, I'm not a coach, but they, they, they reached out to me. They, they looked up to me. And mm-hmm. so when, when people that surround yourself start looking at you as, as somebody that, that, that has acquired this knowledge to be able to train them, that's the, that's a big um, compliment. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's interesting you bring that up because that is very often how people decide to become coaches. That's super often yeah. the story you hear. And I spent a lot of time hiring coaches and, you know, asking their for their origin story and what their motivations really were and why they wanted to be a coach. And, and a lot of the, the common themes were, well, I was an athlete, so now I'm going to be a coach. That was really common. And then the other one was, well, I, you know, I put myself through this journey and now I want to help others. Mm -hmm. And it can be really misleading, I think. And it's not that you shouldn't use those things as a motivation to become a coach, but those are not the only skills necessary. And I think this is something you've always done really well too, is, you know, I've always told you, I think you should be a coach. Yeah. yeah. Many times, <laughs> so like, yes. I'm not saying you shouldn't be a coach. I keep telling you, if you really wanted to do this, you would be fantastic at it. But I second that. I second that because <laughs> Chris, that one day that you couldn't, we were training in, um, um, we were, tra- well, we were training in that place, this flat South Bay, South Bay 24 hour fitness place. We always would train at uh-huh. and you couldn't show up one day. So Armando and I still trained. 
And Armando was amazing. Like the way you coached me through everything. I was really like, I felt really intimidated because I, I wasn't used to, you know, working out with people and it just felt you were, you know, it was really motivating, very positive, And it just felt really good. So I second that. Oh, thank you. But I think what he does really well or what he's really smart about is that he understands the knowledge base underneath the coaches that he's worked with and that he would never step into that role without going and seeking out that knowledge base. And I think that's one of the things that we need to talk about in fitness is because there are the soft style or the soft parts of coaching, the, the interpersonal skills and the ability to motivate people and the ability to be inspirational, because there's a lot of that that you have very naturally, but that's not where it ends to be a coach that can really help a lot of other people. And I think that's the narrative we need to be working on in fitness because it is great that people have these transformations and then want to become coaches, but it it's not enough. It's not enough. And it's not enough to have been an athlete either because you know how to move your body doesn't mean you have learned the skill set to help somebody else do it or to manage somebody else's um, issues or pain problems or different geometries or body types or any of those things. Like there's a huge amount of science that needs to be there as well. And, you know, again, I'm all for you going and doing that. And I would help you every step of the way to get it done if that's what you wanted. But I think I love that about you because so many other people I've watched go through transformations similar to yours, then really decide that they can be coaches too. And so it's, it's one of the things I kind of wanted to ask you as well is like, why, why not for you? Why not? Why not be a coach? Well, the only thing that would stop me right now, it's not having that foundation, not having the proper training because I, I, I wouldn't want to hurt anybody. I wouldn't want to push anybody to the point where mm-hmm. they would get hurt. I would um, obviously would like to learn a lot of the, the basics of physical fitness, you know, how your body works, how, um, how you train an athlete that is 20 years old versus how you train an athlete that's 40 years old. And I, I just wouldn't want to, hurt somebody yeah and it's only i'm only saying that because i've seen it i've seen coaches that are just horrible and they'll they'll push somebody to the point where they they they, they're going to get hurt Hmm. a lot of the time it's done innocently it's done on a a motivation standpoint though and i know what you're talking about i i've obviously i've obviously seen it (laughs) as well but it's it comes from a good place this bad outcome right and that's what i'm saying about you know i think we just have to have a better pathway for people who have gone through this transformation themselves and, and accrued this experience and this comfort in the gym to then get the knowledge that they need. And yes, there are certifications out there, but they really scratch the surface in a lot of cases of what, you know, should be the situation. So, but I want to go back to your personal strength journey because mm-hmm. as somebody coming to lifting in your thirties, right? Yeah. Like, that's a totally different thing than starting to lift when you're 18, especially as a male, <laughs> right? The yeah. whole the whole expectation of um, the strength that you're going to gain and the the mobility and all of that is different starting as an older athlete. And I just kind of want I want people to know what you can accomplish. So, like, when you first showed up and you were lifting, like, what was the first weight you ever squatted? Like, when you came into the oh, uh, it, it was just. Uh... It's, it's called a training bar and it okay. weighs about 25 pounds. And I, I didn't have the full mobility to go 
all the way down to the bottom of a full uh, squat. Mm-hmm. And um, it was challenging and it was recorded by my coach. <laughs> and, and, and now when I look back, I feel so, oh, so proud of what I have accomplished. But yeah, it, it was, it was not a lot of weight that I could lift. Mm, would you, I mean, it, it sounds like, and this is, I think the, the point I'm trying to get to is that it can be really humbling to start something new. Yes. Right. And if you don't come to it with that beginner's mindset and accept that you have to learn the foundations when you show up, then people often quit. Yes. Oh right. yeah. So, all right. You went from squatting the training bar mm-hmm. with not full range of motion to training very consistently for a long time. And what, what's your like lifetime PR on a squat? Not that these numbers matter particularly. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to show what's achievable with consistency. Uh, well, I've been able to create a, a big numbers. Uh, I think my last PR was uh, 280, 290. Yeah. And that's, that's a lot of weight. That's a, Yes. That's what I would call like a fuck ton of weight personally. Mm-hmm. Right. Especially yeah. for not having trained your entire life to do these things. Like the human body is so amazingly adaptable. Yeah. And the one I want everybody to hear about is your deadlift though, because your deadlift is the one that blew me away. Well, the deadlift is uh, <laughs> uh, uh, 405. That's a, uh, one of my PRs. Yeah. yeah. And it was clean too, yeah. man. That was a clean list. And, and the best part about that <laughs> one is, um, is that was after a spin class. Yes. Cause so my legs were just really warmed up and uh, I just felt it and I, I loaded the bar and it, it just felt good doing that. See, and this is another thing I think you've done really, really well is you've avoided falling into a fitness dogma and staying there. You know what I mean? Like you didn't decide that cardio was the only way or that like lifting really heavy was the only way or that you should only run, you know, like pick a, pick a fitness dogma, right. Or high intensity interval, high intensity interval training is the only way to train your body. Like, can you talk a little bit about that and your, and just the different things that you do and how you feel they fit into your fitness overall? Well, I, I feel that one size fits all is this should be taken out of fitness because it's not and uh doing one thing is not going to get you as fit as you should doing a lot of different things will get you to that point you know from running to swimming to learning how to swim properly <laughs> to yeah. uh, um doing the spartan races doing um oh, that's right lifting heavy running recently uh mountain biking um which, by the way, I got my Go, uh, my GoPro camera. So oh, you did? some of that stuff. Because <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's more about being a well-balanced athlete than just a, a, a one-trick pony. Just one-dimensional athlete, it's, it, it didn't do it for me. And I never wanted – a lot of people, they, they want a certain type of body when they start their fitness journey. I, I – soon came to the realization that I didn't want that. I wanted to perform better. The body was just a, a byproduct of that. <laughs> but I, I wanted to perform at that level. I, I, I would see a lot of females uh, work harder than me, train harder than me, and, and lift more or more graciously. And I wanted that. And uh, that's one thing that I want to talk about also in my fitness journey that I've, had, I've learned so much from female coaches and surrounding myself with female athletes than males. Males have this, I, I don't know what it is, but it's just. Yeah, you've definitely, we've talked a little bit about yeah. this experience for you. And I think it's definitely something I want to touch on, but I, before we go there, I want to back up to what you said about um, this idea of you didn't 
you weren't chasing the aesthetic outcome. You were chasing the ability. Yes. And I think this is a really, really powerful tool that often gets overlooked. And we don't talk about it as directly, I think, as we we probably should, which is this idea of like, it, you know, and it's such a cliche, some of the, the, you know, motivational quotes on walls will say these kinds of things, but it's this idea of like, it's the journey, not the destination. But the reality is like, you spend so much time day after day after day, training and learning and practicing that actually that is the good stuff. The good stuff is the training and the practicing and the yeah. learning and the outcome is the byproduct. And so many people come into fitness and come into this journey with the opposite mentality of like, this is what I want. Just tell me how to get there. And it's like, no, but that's, that's literally backwards. It's the, it's the byproduct of the things that you do. If you make that goal, your moment of happiness, you, you'll miss the journey. Yes. Because the journey is, is consistency and, 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 and going there every day, whether it's running, whether it's, it's you know, uh, swimming or training. If you go with a mindset that you're going to have a good time, that you're going to be, that, that, that is your, your time and it makes you happy. When you reach that goal, you'll surpass that goal. Mm. You, 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 you'll never get there but you'll be happy along the journey. I think this dances around the bigger issue too with people who are predominantly sedentary. Um, the idea of transitioning to moving their body a lot can feel a lot like something that's not fun, right? This is obviously something they have to suffer through and tolerate in order to get this aesthetic or get this health outcome even. What would you say to that, to those people? I would say that you have nothing to lose. You just gotta, gotta, gotta go after every day. And it, it, you'll find that moment of happiness when you get to that, uh, when you wake up in the morning and you feel that that's the highlight of your day, that, that without it, you're not complete. That's that's when you feel that that's what you're supposed to do. That you want to do that. Yeah. It's not it's not a task. It just becomes part of your life. Yeah, and this is literally, you know, we talk about behavior change all the time and building upon habits that then sort of help you shift your lifestyle. We can talk about keystone habits that will help shift other things in your life. But I think it's this idea of finding the thing that you are willing to do. You know, because I think this comes back around to people think, okay, well, if I want to lose weight or get healthy, I have to go to a gym. I have to do this specific type of resistance training. This is the only way to do it, but I hate it. So I don't want to do it. And I think the, the truth is there are a million ways to move your body. I mean, I've had clients get fit from gardening. Yes. <laughs> you know, right. like literally, because anybody who's ever done any very serious gardening, that's a lot of work. And if you're consistently working at it, like you're doing a lot of functional strength training doing that. Right. So I think I want to try to work on abolishing this myth that fitness has to happen within a fitness center or, or no. within a sport or in a torturous uh, a, a, a friend of mine planted the seed a long time ago in my head and it was you do not need a gym to to be physically fit uh most athletes uh well a lot of athletes that, that do the x games mm -hmm. uh, the, the athletes that you know they there's no borders 
they, <laughs> right. they're, they're not using uh, uh, gym settings. They do. They, they do are now. Yeah. But after they go pro, they're yes. starting to come back to those those modalities to increase their performance. To fine tune right. the performance. But for the average guy, like you and I, gym is not the only answer. Gym is not the, the only way. There's so many other ways to get fit. And, and Yeah. And I think that's that's one of the biggest things with when we talk about like the very name of this podcast, this idea of deconstructing health and fitness is that if it's when you start making these choices black and white again, of like fitness looks like this and it doesn't look like this. I can't possibly be healthy and fit if I don't do X, Y, and Z. And there are definitely some hard lines, you know, like there's the nutrition aspect and the sleep aspect. Like if you just fundamentally don't eat vegetables and enough protein and you don't sleep enough, yes, you are likely not going to achieve your goals, right? But yeah. when it comes to movement, the options are so much broader, so much broader. And that's the greatest thing about being a human, right? Yeah. Like we can do so much stuff. We can do parkour. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't tried that yet. Wanna do some parkour? We might. All right, let's do that. So let's go back to, um, I had my list of different questions here that we were gonna go through. But you did bring up this idea of this this female coach because I know like and it, the audience doesn't know anything about your personal fitness journey, so I'm just going to sort of lay out what I know, mm-hmm. and I'll have you fill in what I'm missing here. But you know, you you came to the gym that I was running, yes. And you worked with one of the trainers that I I had hired and trained, correct, um, for a while. And then when you were done working with her for various reasons, mostly because you know it becomes time and money and lots of other things, and you wanted some community. You know, he started working one-on-one with a trainer. And then when he was done doing that, he went out and joined the strength and conditioning um, classes that I was running out back in the outside area of the gym where we focused on, you know, lots of foundational movements, squats, benching, you know, pulling, um, Olympic lifting. We, we learned all of that stuff. And then I also pulled him into my spin class because I'm a big advocate of making sure you're metabolically fit for the activities you're doing. And then, from there, Which, by the way, my first impression of, of when she um, invited me to go to a spin class, um, this big macho guy in, in, in my brain <laughs> said, no, you don't do that. Dudes and, don't spin. Yeah, do guys don't do that. And then I, I got to the class. It, it, it was surrounded by a lot of females. And I saw a couple of guys there. Uh, and, and so that was my first impression of a spin class. And, and now... It's I'm the opposite. I'm the biggest advocate for a spin class. I what as soon as I mind? well, it got me my running legs. Um, prior to that, I I didn't enjoy running. I didn't like running because I wasn't uh, physically fit to run. And but as soon as I got on the bike, my uh, I got I trained my heart and my legs to to move faster, mm-hmm. and and that's how I got my running legs. And it's funny because that's great. I do think there's a perception that spin is spin is for chicks, right? I I even had that Armando, like, like no offense, Chris, but when you know when Chris was talking up spin, well, first of all, I was intimidated because I was like, I don't think I can go like as fast as everyone else. But then I was also like, but that's for like, I don't know, rich workout bunnies, rich workout bunnies that are like, I don't (laughs) know, what's that really? I, I'm gonna have to bleep it out. You know, you know those those weird spin cults where like they're just, cycle. 
Yeah. yeah. And I was like, that's not me. I'm not like some perky cheerleader who's like, I love spinning and then going out to the club and drinking vodka tonics. And, and I eat an air asshole. for lunch. <laughs> and I eat air for lunch. I was like, oh, I want to lift like really hardcore. I was like, spin is not badass. And I'm all about being badass. <laughs> So it wasn't. This is, this is the thing, you know, when you look at the 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 industry of indoor cycling and how it's evolved over the last 20 years or so, like it didn't start out being a chick class. It started out with road cyclists coming indoors to train in inclement weather. And so it was a bro class. Oh wow. Right. And that's how it started. And then they realized sort of as it gained popularity that the combination of the music and the writing was creating more of a group exercise vibe. And you'll still see it in spin. I mean, not now, obviously, because everything is very different after a year of COVID. Um, But you'll you'll still see like remember we went to that. um, What was that gym's name where they did all the performance cycling and the guy was like super manic about, you know, you don't. There was no cycling to the music and he had timed intervals. Yes. Remember he wanted to hire me, but he was like, you're going to have to teach with this performance mindset. And I was like, cool, I'm totally in. And he was like, but really? I'm like, yeah, I know. Like, (laughs) I get it. This is already how I teach spin. I teach with performance in mind. I'm not teaching to just go woo on the bike. Yeah, I I recall that. And it was, it's it's a different thing because you can definitely find a go woo on the bike spin class. Those are out there and they're pedaling wicked fast. And, you know, there's really no resistance being used and it's, you get sweaty and that's great. And you feel great. It's like tons of endorphins, but like, and I always say this at the beginning of my classes is like, I'm here. I spin because I use this as training to ride outside. So the climbs are heavy Mm. and they're long because I mountain bike. I, (laughs) I'm not a road rider. I do. I do have to say like, um, I wasn't convinced at first, like when, you know, if anyone out there is interested in spin, Hey, hell, like, you know, give it a shot. Because like the first time I ever tried spin, I was with you, Chris, and we did that class at that fitness summit. And I remember (laughs) afterward, I said, I'm really sweaty and I was sweating a lot, but I don't feel like I actually got a workout in, which was really confusing to my brain. And you encouraged me to try spin again, like with you. And then when I did spin with you, I, you know, I, I felt like I was going to die. And after 15 minutes, I was like, which is a good thing. After 15 minutes, I felt (laughs) like this needs to stop. This needs to stop. But then I like kept on going and then I hit like a second wind and then the next time it was easier and then the next time it was a little bit easier. And I'm like, wow, I never thought I could actually stay on the bike longer than like 10 to 15 minutes. And mm. it was a whole different experience. Um, but if I had only gone to that one spin class, which I know happens to a lot of people, if they try this something once and they, they have like, you know, an experience they're not super happy with, they'll just write it off, like write it completely off. Oh, spin is not for me. I cannot uh, emphasize know? enough how important the instructor is in a, in a group setting. And I don't say that because of, you know, it, it's not necessarily about quality. It's about variety because, and this is going to lead us back around to talking about our model's experience with different coaches, but like you have to find somebody 
that makes what you're doing fun and interesting. And there are so many different styles and so many different ways to teach the same things. And all of them, I mean, and yes, there are people who are teaching things that are suboptimal when it comes to, you know, kinesiology and just basically how bodies are supposed to move. That happens. I'm not saying it doesn't, but I'm also saying that like, just because you two prefer how I teach spin doesn't mean everybody does. There were definitely, I taught spin for a long time and I, I got very used to accepting that new people that walked in may very well walk out five minutes into the class because it just wasn't what they were looking for. And that wasn't necessarily a reflection of reflection on me as a coach. It was a reflection on what they were looking for from their fitness experience. And it just so happens that you two were looking for more of a, a, physical challenge with spin. But one of the reasons that something like soul cycle is so popular is because a lot of people aren't looking for that physical challenge in the same way. They're looking for the release and the the ability to shut their brain off for an hour and to do something with a group. And it feels kind of like a club, which is the best part of spin for me is like, I'm old. I can't go to clubs anymore. Everybody'd be like, <laughs> who's that old lady? What's she doing here? And I'd be dancing weird with my side part. So like because those aren't cool anymore. Did you know this, Liz? Wait, you can't do a side part anymore. But wait, no, come on. Get on so wait, on. so like a nineteen, so like nineteen seventies is back. So everything's down the like the middle part. Yes, and like some some face shapes don't look good with that though. Preach. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? But anyway, just do whatever you want. I still sometimes sport an eighteen nineties Gibson girl updo on accident. <laughs> so I think like you just do what you want. Sometimes I accidentally look like a hardcore sister wife and I don't mean to, <laughs> but you know, we all just need to live our lives and embrace ourselves. Yay. Right. But this is, this is one of the beautiful things about fitness right now is that there is literally something for everyone or there was before the pandemic. I think things have obviously changed slightly now, but it, it was, if you just try the one class and you didn't like it, you can't rule that thing out. Yeah, very like, true. No matter what you're doing, if you even, okay. And also I'm going to throw something else as someone who loves nature and needs to get out in nature in order to like be able to reset your brain. I, I wasn't, I, I would hike in California, but I really didn't care for California hiking mostly because Blast it was, <gasps> uh, <How> dare you? <laughs> okay, sorry. Northern California <laughs> hiking, yes, not Southern California hiking. The yeah. only hiking you could find around LA is all like it's very, you know, it's gorgeous hot views, yeah. hot and dry and crowded. And I fucking hate that because all that I want is to be hidden, immersed in nature, and not see any other humans. So now that I'm in North Carolina, <laughs> I hike in the woods and I don't see pretty much anyone else except for some deer. And I'm hidden and I could hide behind trees. And I've literally done that hide hidden from other hikers so that I could just like, I don't know why. I don't know why I do that. I'm like a weird skittish woodland creature, but it makes me so happy. And I never thought like, I always loved nature and getting out hiking, but I really love it now that I, I would have never found this in Southern California. Yeah. And this is the point, right? It's like, just because you've tried potatoes as french fries doesn't mean you won't like them as roasted potatoes or baked oh, potatoes. like imagine if you never eat potatoes as french fries for the rest of your life like that sucks don't do that 
right? There's so many wonderful things to do with a potato, just like hiking. And it is yeah. true. Like, and I'm totally, it's funny you say that because I'm totally the opposite. I hate bugs. I would hate hiking in North Carolina. <laughs> Wouldn't get me to do it. I'd have there to are no bugs right now. It's suits. winter. <laughs> it's, one de- it's one degree above freezing right now. It's winter. Ugh. There are no bugs. It's just nice and crisp and cold. And Ugh. oh, I just love it. Okay, that's, that's fine. I'm fine with that. But <laughs> the point is, the point is that you've got to just keep trying, whether it's spin or it's strength and conditioning, because again, you know, even within the strength and conditioning program that I had, I, I tried my hardest to have really diverse coaches with diverse methodology so that every class people showed up to, they were getting a different piece of knowledge. You know, like I had, I had one coach who had this crazy history with neuromuscular stuff. And he was able to teach some of these proprioception exercises that fundamentally changed how people lifted. And had I never opened up to letting him showcase his strengths, my athletes would have been poorer for it. Let me talk about that for a second, because um, you're a very talented coach and and a lot of people know that. (laughs) But what's more impressive is that you also understand that you don't know everything and, and that you can surround yourself with talented people and even more talented people. And, and when you when you reached out to to this coach that you, you were talking about is um, he was handpicked out of a bunch of other coaches. He was. Based on, on, on the demographics of that particular gym and what he was going to bring to the table. And you can talk about him now. And Well, I mean, I think I don't even know where to start because there's so many aspects of that. I, I, I think one of my favorite things I've ever done was running that strength and conditioning program because it gave me an opportunity to really build something I was super proud of um, because I had the control to say like, this is the type of coach I want here. This is the type of things I want to work on. We got to run seminars. We got to really highlight specific movements and and dig deep on them and get people really good at them. We got to do a lot of mobility work. We got to really work on Olympic lifting and gymnastics and all this stuff. And we were not CrossFit, right? Because I think, you know, I think I've talked a little bit about CrossFit in the past and I'm not anti-CrossFit in any way, but CrossFit felt victim to a lot of, in my opinion, a lot of what fitness trends fall victim to is they sort of started out really broad doing this amazing thing of like constantly varied fitness like you watch early crossfit competitions and they're like out in a field throwing around sandbags that are all different weights and they're doing all this crazy stuff and then as it got more popular and more mainstream it sort of narrowed down to like we we lift really heavy we lift really fast we do everything hardcore and all of the movements that you see in crossfit actually narrowed so it, instead of it being constantly varied and really interesting and challenging for your body all the time it actually became fairly dogmatic and I think that that did CrossFit a disservice, um, you know, and I, I don't know what's going on currently with CrossFit, honestly, because I haven't been doing much of that for a long time. But I think this is the the danger is that and we all do this because as we get older, we decide what we like and what we don't like. And we start eliminating things that we don't like and focusing more on things we do. But then that narrows our world, it narrows our experience down. Right. And it just reinforces our own beliefs about what we like and what we don't like. And so I think it's really important to do what we talked about earlier in the podcast, which is come at things with a beginner's mind. Try the new thing because it's scary. 
right? If it's not scary, you're probably not growing and you probably need to go find something that scares you a little bit so that you don't get complacent. Yes. Finding new challenges. Yeah. Yeah. And I know I was supposed to talk about that coach, but I think (laughs) talking about him specifically isn't really the point of it because the point was there is definitely an issue in fitness right now where coaches are not often comfortable with other coaches expertise. And I think that's what you were driving at is that a lot of the time there's, there's almost an insecurity um, that coaches have about their own knowledge and they're almost afraid to bring somebody else on board. Right. Because what if it makes them look like less good of a coach is sort of, and I saw some of this too. And I, I feel like, that's that's a reasonable thing to feel everybody feels a little bit like that but how do you get better if you don't keep surrounding yourself with people who know more than you like imagine if doctors if doctors did that and it's like i think they need a a cardiologist it's like oh no i'm a podiatrist and i'm no i i know i know what to do i'm a doctor can you imagine which probably does happen like not to that extreme but kind of instead of being like hey i don't know everything and i'm okay and comfortable with that like, oh, I'll just like at the risk of my client or whoever, just pretend I do. It's like an ego trip, which is, which yes, ego once again ruins the party. It really does when it comes to genuinely trying to help other people because it takes the focus off of that other person's progress and puts it back on you. And I think that's where it gets coaches in trouble. And it's such a shame because it doesn't have to be that way. You know, it doesn't have to be a competition between us. It should be a collaboration. And it, it really should be a, like, hey, what do you know that I don't know? Let's find those things and let's really like get them out there so we all know more. And yeah. this, this particular coach had so much unique experience. It was fantastic. I learned so much from him, um, but it did create some strife in the team because he was a bit older than the rest of the team. He was even older than me. Um, That sounded bad. I didn't mean it like that, but like, (laughs) he was even older than me. I just meant like, as the leader of the team, like there's sort of an assumption that you're also sort of the older person on the team. But I think I'm highlighting it to say like, I'm super excited about bringing somebody on who has more knowledge than me, even though I'm in a position of leadership that can only help me as a leader, I think. Right. So that's what I meant by it. Not like he was even older than me. (laughs) Sometimes I say things that come out wrong. So (laughs) I, I think that it, I would really love to see more and more of the collaboration that I've started to see over this last year in fitness, because there was a big shakeout. Definitely collaboration is needed in the, in the fitness world. Yeah. It's like everybody thinks that they, they, they got the, newest idea, the best idea, and the only way to train, and, and it shouldn't be that way. Yeah, and you come from a unique perspective of having had multiple different coaches. I've, I mean, I've been able to pick, pick, you know, pick the stuff that I really want and the best. Um, um, I've taken the best out of each coach and applied it to myself. Right, and, and that's literally why I wanted you to come on this podcast, because that's what you've done that's made you so successful. It's not that you found one special coach that's helped you learn everything you needed to know and you just owe everything to that person. It's that you were able to maintain autonomy over your own journey and you were able to take what you needed and leave what you didn't. And and it was that flexibility 
I think that is so critical that I want more people to learn about. I recall this one day that um, we we're bouncing out of different different gyms and and and. and there was a class that was being offered at a different time. And you asked me if I wanted to go. And I said, yes. And this is after we have done a morning class. We're going to do an afternoon class. And you said, you said to me, what have I created? I created <laughs> I a monster. Do <laughs> I say that? Yes. Because <laughs> I wanted to go and do another workout. And this, this was very challenging, the workout that we did in the morning. But I had enough, you know, half an hour you know, to recover. And I was ready to go. And, and you said that to me and, and, and that made me feel so proud. That made me feel like, really? Because I, 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 I do feel like I have all this energy. I have all this, you know, that I never had before. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it was it was that it was the variety of different activities, different exercises, different facilities, different. You know, there were times where we would just go running at the beach. Yeah. And, and I felt like I had, oh, I had all this energy, something that I never had before. Yeah. And it hasn't really, we haven't talked about it directly, but like you said, you started at 240. Mm-hmm. How much weight did you lose? Uh, well, I went journey? down to um, 192. That was like uh, about a year ago, year and a half ago. Hey, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yes, we can hear you. Wait, hold so on. Almost, Sorry, almost 50 pounds. One second. Wait, can you guys talk? Yes. yes. We're okay. talking, we're saying words. Okay. Is everything okay? okay. God damn it. Sorry. Roka <laughs> stepped on my keyboard. Sure you guys. And she had just turned down the volume completely. Um, I think we got that. Do you want, I could just go back to me asking him. Yeah, just, just go back like, like 30, 45 seconds. Okay. okay. So the, what I really would like to know, we didn't directly talk about it before um, was you said you started at 240. Mm-hmm. But then, like, how much weight did well, you actually achieve? 240 was my heaviest, and uh, I went down to um, 194, 192, 194. And that was the, the leanest I ever was. And I could see my abs. And and then the pandemic happened, and I recently gained another uh, 12 pounds. So I'm at 208, 200, you know, different days. But that number is, is I'm not fearful of it anymore. That used to worry me so much. The numbers going up and the numbers going down and getting on the scale, that uh, I would have panic attacks of doing that. Hmm. I don't anymore. Right now, it, it, it's okay. Why not? What changed? That number does not dictate how I feel throughout the whole day. That number is just a number. It's about how I feel physically. You know, how I look at myself, at myself in the mirror, and, and I'm comfortable with it. That that's what changed. So I mean, that's pretty. That's pretty epic what you just said, right? Because this is a really big battle for a lot of people, the the numbers, right? And yes. pick a number. It doesn't matter which number yeah. you're using to benchmark yourself off of, whether it's your, your bench PR, whether it's your body weight or your body fat percentage or mm-hmm. uh, your running time. I mean, pick a number. People get so, so hung up on these numbers. Yeah. And I see it all the time. And it's like, okay, yes, we need to track and measure. I'm not saying don't pay any attention to metrics, but I'm also saying like, be very aware of how they function for you. Because if you if you are if you are if you are too focused on any one number, you're probably blind to some other things going on. And I, I would put out there that you know along the journey, you've learned a specific set of tools that allow you to continue to feel in control even when the numbers don't look the way yes. you you think they should or that you would have previously really been concerned about. Can you talk a little bit about what those tools are? You feel like what are the really important things that you've learned that you, you still implement now that 
are are keeping you making the progress that you want to be making? Well, like you said before, uh, small habits that you create because um, the the drive that when you start losing weight or when you start getting stronger, it, it may not last. The uh, the short fuel that you get from from that is not going to last a long time. But when you create those habits and you get up in the morning and you know that whether it's that's the, the music that you play when you take a shower to get ready to go to the gym or, or, or do any other activity, those small habits stick with you. And that'll, that'll get you to a tough day, mm-hmm. a day that you may not feel like going, doing any activities that will get you to it. Mm-hmm. So small habits will create bigger habits in your life. I think it's funny what popped into my head while you were talking was like new shoes. That's <laughs> you said the music that I listen to when I'm going to go to the gym that gets me motivated. And I was like, boom, new shoes. There is nothing for me like a pair of new shoes because nowadays shoes are so sport or activity specific. Like I find that personally, and I didn't realize this until you just said this right now, it's just literally happened for me that like, if you buy me a new pair of running shoes, I'm much more likely to go for a run for the next three yes, weeks. I'm excited I about my shoes. And then I realized, oh gosh, I was thinking about getting back into rock climbing when I go to Colorado. And the first thing I thought about with rock climbing was a pair of new shoes. Holy cow. Yes. <laughs> I just had an epiphany, Armando. I, I just got my GoPro <laughs> in, in that. that right? Motivated. That's right. Yes. You just said that when you came in, you're like, I got a GoPro for filming the mountain biking. So, and the other thing I think that's really important to touch on here because you didn't actually give me five, you gave me that one, but I'll go back to that in a second is, and we talked a little bit about this too, this idea of, I asked you if your progress was linear. Um, and that's also coming up very specifically because of some experiences I'm going through right now, but it's like this idea that once you start fitness, you always get fitter, I think is is dangerous. So can you talk about, cause you, you just about started to talk about it when you said, and then the pandemic hit and I gained 12 pounds, but then you went right back to something else. So talk a little bit about what it felt like when you weren't able to be exactly as consistent as before, because I think there's this myth that once you start being consistent, you will always be consistent and that you will achieve this peak and stay there. But we've talked about this before. And I always say, if, if it's a peak, it has a valley. <clears throat> And you can't stay at your peak forever. Um, so it's really a plateau you're looking for, right? And yes. you only see your peaks in hindsight. <laughs> you never really realize you're at that peak yeah. until you're not at it anymore. And you're like, oh, back in the day when I used to be able to lift like 405 on my deadlift, dude, mm-hmm. awesome. Could you could you do that right now? Could you deadlift 405 pounds right now? Right, right now? Yes. I, I, I mean, I, not cold. We'd warm you up. I, I probably could, yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Do you think you'd be lifting more than that? At this point, yes, I, I feel like I, I could, but I, I, there's no no need to. I don't feel like I, I have to. I don't feel like it's a challenge. I feel like if it happens, it happens. But if it doesn't, I'm comfortable with it. <laughs> like it, it, it's that's yeah. magical. Yes. Okay, so talk a little bit about this this idea of you know fitness not being linear. It, 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 like you said, there's highs and lows and feeling comfortable with those lows and knowing that, that you can, with a little bit more training, with more consistency, you can achieve those those goals or numbers or, or plateaus, as you mentioned. Um, 
you're capable of doing those things. You you don't, what's the word I'm searching for? You're not um, stuck in one place anymore. You can do a lot of different things. And just because I pandemic happened and I gained 12 pounds or, or 15 pounds or the number. The 14, matter. 15. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it, <laughs> I'm not afraid of that anymore. I'm not, because I know that I, I, I know what I can achieve. I know what I can, I can do. And I can get there again. It's just, just a matter of time. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I bring it up because I think the the idea that we are forever going to make progress is dangerous because that cannot be the case. And if you come up against a setback and you let it stop you, then you you really can't achieve a new peak, right? And I bring this up specifically because you know that I've had multiple issues recently, um, just from years of wear and tear. And I had my shoulder done last June Mm -hmm. in quarantine because I thought this is a great opportunity to get this taken care of. And it went really well. And my shoulder is now bionic and amazing. (laughs) Um, But it's prompted me to start dealing with some of the other longer term injuries I've had. And I would have to say that as somebody who's in the fitness industry and a professional in the fitness industry, it's incredibly challenging to not be at a peak, right? Because I just found out this morning that I now have to go have another surgery on my hips. Actually, both of my hips are torn, not just one. Um, And that one side is significantly worse. And this is going to set me back in almost another year. Like there will be another year where I will not be able to hold on to those previous habits that I had created to maintain what I felt was my personal fitness, right? And it's traversing those challenges that are, I think, the true test of your habits. And that's sort of where I'm going. And, I, and I'm saying that because I know you've had these setbacks too. I know you've had um, some moments where training wasn't your biggest focus, but you didn't lose faith in your ability to make progress. Well, back to that my goal was, and I, I said this to you many times, with all the Olympic um, lifts, mm-hmm. I wanted them to look elegant, mm-hmm. heavy or, or a, a number, or my expectations were never that high. I always wanted them to look elegant. Mm-hmm. I always wanted to live for a long time for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. I always wanted this for the rest of my life. And that's why I never abused my body to the point where <laughs> it was going to get hurt. You are a very active person. You, your expectations are higher for yourself. You want to hit those numbers again. You want to be able to run as fast as you want to. Um, your husband wants to be able to get on those um, uh, uh, rings. Damn that husband of mine. And, 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 He's half the reason and, I have to keep running, isn't he? And, 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 <laughs> and, and you know, as we get older, we have to understand that that we may not be able to do certain things, but we still have to stay active. But that, I think that's you're you're getting so close to what I'm driving at there, which is this idea that like just because you can't do exactly the same things you used to do doesn't mean there aren't things you can be doing. And you, if you get hung up on that one thing, on that one fitness dogma or that one modality of something, and then that gets taken away from you, and you see this with pro athletes all the time when they retire because their whole lives are focused on this one activity and then they have an accident, right? Or they have an injury or for some reason they have to take a break from competition. And there's actually real psychological blowback. Depression kicks in and and a lot of different factors. Yeah. And this has been a really interesting thing. And I think this is the thing people don't 
often prepare enough for is the long-termness of this, this change that you're making and, and why that mentality is so important because it would be super easy for me right now at, from the position that I'm in at this moment to be very angry and very depressed about the situation. And, you know, I was talking with my daughter about this when she's quite upset about the whole thing. And I said to her, I said, but I've, I've used my body really well. Like I've gone out and used it at every opportunity I could find. And the consequence of that is that some of it needs repairs. It's like, if you have a car and you never drive it, it never breaks, right? But you don't get to go anywhere. And I just drove my car off road a lot. So now it needs some new shocks. Yeah. And then I can drive off road again for a while, but maybe I'll have a little more mechanical sympathy next time. And it actually, in my particular case, it turns out that I have um, a structural issue that created the problem. It wasn't actually that I was lifting heavy or actually that I was training hard. It was that because I have a little bit of extra bone on my hip sockets because my hips are extra stable, lucky me, I just did extra rubbing. And so if they, they eliminate that, then it'll go away and I can go back to normal. But I have to take almost a year off again. Right. Well, my shoulder was bad and you, you can attest to that. And I was um, I was in pain for a long time and I, and I fought through it and I, I, I was going to get a shot of uh, uh, cortisone. Mm-hmm. I was going to pretty much put a bandaid on it and, and, and numb the pain. <laughs> and you suggested, no, just just let it heal. Have you tried just resting? And then that did it, you know. I rested almost uh, six months, not not pushing my shoulders to doing things that they were not yeah. normal, like getting on those rings and, and hanging myself <laughs> on the bar. And then now I feel better and I feel strong. Now I can focus on other stuff. Now I can focus on on strengthening that particular aspect of my shoulders mm. and, 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 and work around it. And it's this, I heard this really great analogy the day and I don't know if I mentioned it on last week's podcast, but it was this idea of, it was, this is a TikTok. Of course it was. I, I spent too much time on TikTok right so now. Do I. Okay, yes. good. Well, then we're all in the same company. <laughs> so it was this, she was talking about how when she was going through law school, she saw a lot of her friends, you know, making more money and, and coming out of school sooner and doing all of this that she felt like she was wasting her time. And she said, and then my dad said that I wasn't behind. I was like a slingshot. Right. And the idea that it, while you're pulling back on on the the slingshot part, right? It looks like you're going backwards compared to everybody else, but you're just storing up energy, right? And then boom, you'll shoot straight ahead when you let go and everybody will be left in your dust. And I think it's this idea that sometimes in order to make progress, you really do have to slow down. You really do have to take that recovery and that rest. And you said something earlier as well in the podcast around um, when before you made this change, you were filling your life up with really busy things. You were staying super busy to ignore what was going on. Yes. Right. And then you paused, like you put, you literally hit pause on everything and you started pulling back on your slingshot. Right. Yes. And this is something I think is a really useful analogy for people because you, you really need to hit that pause button a couple of times, you know, whether it's for injury, like what I'm talking about right now, or whether it's for environmental stressors that you have going on, whether it's for caretaking, um, whether it's for some, some trauma you're dealing with, like hitting that pause button and taking time to deal with the root and not slapping that bandaid on it can actually really help accelerate your longer term progress. Yes. But the, the pause button and, and when you pause and you, and you ask yourself the real questions, like 
everybody has this this question what have i done with my life in, in mm. this past 20, yeah, 20 years 40. 30 years or 40 years <laughs> what no. have i done with my life yeah and, and, and you start touching the subject and, and and a lot of people just just put it in the back burner and say i don't want to deal with this now yeah but if you don't deal with that now then then when hey people like myself i don't have any kids there's times where I, I ponder on that and i say to myself was that a smart choice not to have kids mm. and 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 I'm okay with it. Now I'm okay with it. But there was times in my life where I was like, maybe I should have kids. Maybe I should do something about it. Maybe uh, in the job where, where, where I work, you know, I've, I spent there 15 years of my life. Was I happy there? Yes, yeah, so many times I was happy. But then it gets to a point where it's like, no, I think I should do something a little different. Maybe I should pursue my career. Maybe I should pursue what I really went to school for. Uh, or for many people, maybe they should pursue what they want to do in, in, in their life. Maybe yeah. they should bring that. But we're all afraid of asking ourselves that question because it involves taking action. And, and a lot of people are not ready to take action. Well, you really have to be. I think that's the thing. But I think readiness for action actually comes from having a good awareness. It's sort of like this this unpleasant circle, really, where but you've got to start somewhere on the circle or you can't yes. move any of it, right? And, you know, I think even those of us who have kids ask ourselves, should I have kids? <laughs> so don't worry about that i think everybody gets asked that question no matter whether they do or they don't i'm just kidding my kid is amazing but there are definitely days you wake up where you're like okay i really did that yeah. Oof. <laughs> so not being afraid of taking that first step towards right. whether it's physical fitness or just changing your life a little bit it's it's the key it's it, not being afraid it is you're right it's funny i was just finishing up one of the blog posts and I found this really great new thing. I'm going to see if I can find it while we're sitting here. You literally have to get through the fear zone in order to get to the learning zone. But if you, if you stay in the fear zone, you end up just going right back into that comfort zone. And so you've got to know that there's something beyond the fear zone. Yes. And I think that's the, that's the fundamental skill where having accountability or a coach or a, a community that's going to help you move through the fear is the key. Because we don't tend to do that by ourselves as human beings. And, and I know that we're not here to talk about you, but you, <laughs> you, you are, you have been a, a mentor to me, oh, a, a friend, a mentor, my coach, and, and you've done it in, in such a way that when we go out on hikes, when we go out training or swimming, it, the conversation is it, it's about that. It's mm -hmm. about like just opening up and, and talking about, some of your fears. What do you want out of this? What, what do you want out of this? Mm. That's been the, the, the biggest um, game changer for me. It's you've always opened up that door for me where I can I can be honest and, and honestly tell you what I really want when I accomplish from it. Well, I'm not going to get mad at you if you don't want something I think you should want. And I, I think this comes back to the ego thing for some coaches is they're so married to that idea of what it is that they're they're doing. Um, is the only way that it's threatening when somebody comes in and says, I don't want that. I don't, I don't want to go to spin class with you. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, okay, I'm fine with that because, you know, spin may not be for you. I might believe in my heart that spin is for everybody. And if you could just show up, I could convince you. I am absolutely entitled to continue believing that. And I absolutely do <laughs> still spin is for everyone but that doesn't mean you're going to agree with me yeah. and I'm not going to force you to in order for you to continue working with me. And I think that's, that's so important. It's so important because it's, it's such a dorky thing, but it's like, you really are the only expert on you. Like you are the only person who knows what you really want. 
And if you don't know, it's okay. You can figure it out, but you have to know or nobody you hire is going to be able to help you anyway. And I've, I've seen this, you know, with coaches I've worked with when I didn't know exactly what I wanted. I actually, I hired a coach a couple of years ago. Um, I've gone through a couple of really big transitions and I was feeling really lost and I wasn't sure whether to open up my own facility or whether to go out on my own or to find another gym to manage or whatever. So I hired a coach and what kept coming back to me through this experience was he, he was asking me the right questions. I didn't have the answers. And he looked at me about three sessions in and he was like, well, how can you make a really good plan if you don't even know what you want? I was like, yep. (laughs) Yep. I can't. I'm not going to do this right now because I haven't fully figured out what it is I want to do. So how can I take any meaningful action? I don't know. Right. So, you know, it's, it's, it definitely starts with figuring that out first for you and not having somebody else tell you. I want to thank Armando for coming on and we didn't even ever get to talking about female coaches. So you'll just have to come back another I'll day. Come back another day. Um, but I hope this next series of, of interviews we're doing helps people get a view for both sides of the aisle, you know, since we're interviewing some experts and we're going to continue interviewing some other clients or people who've had experiences within the fitness industry from the consumer um, or participant point of view. I hope that these discussions empower you to take the steps that are right for you and to get your fitness journey going in a way that you know is sustainable. Well, the one thing that I want to emphasize to a lot of the coaches, if anybody's listening, is the one thing that you can do to anybody that you're training is just listen to them. Just the, the moment that you do, you feel the need to interrupt that person with whatever you want to say, <laughs> stop, don't. <laughs> just listen to what they have to say and, and, and you will find that that a lot of what they need is, is going to be told. Mm. They're going to say it to you. Yeah. Yeah. So just, just listen. Yeah. Very good point. And have enough, have enough empathy and experience to read between the lines of uh, stuff that they're not saying in between what they are saying. Well, I can actually <laughs> literally remember saying to not one of my coaches, but more than one of my coaches, like, Hey, you have two ears and one mouth. So you should be listening twice as much as you're talking in these sessions. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't popular. Spicy. But it, it was true. <laughs> it is true. It is for all, for all humans. Oh my God. Can you imagine? We would just have such a quiet, peaceful world. Oh, that sounds great. I think to defend the coaches who do the talking, it's really hard when you feel like you have so much to share and a limited time to share it in. It's easy to mistake talking for helping. If that mm. makes sense. Because it's like you feel like you've learned all these things and all you want to do is share them with the people that you feel need to hear them. Yeah. But it's, and this is another Berardi quote, but it's like people, how does it go? People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Oh, well, that's deep. That's some Berardi yes. shit right there. That's, that's, his, that's his specialty. Is that mm-hmm. kind of that kind of quote, right? That is so. That is so true. Oh my god, especially in the coaching relationship. Oh my god, very true. Can you say that one more time? Sorry, just repeat it. It's so good. Sure. <laughs> you know, I'm really good at repeating things I just said. I know. I know. I know you don't like that. This is why we record this stuff, Liz. How's it go? It goes. People don't. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Oh, yes. 
that's a life lesson for everything and everyone. <laughs> yeah. Care about people yeah. more. Not mine. I didn't make it up. <laughs> Just passing it on. So. Wonderful. Well, thank you guys. Yeah. This was great. Well, um, I'm sorry if it made you a little bit sad, Liz. You can go lift in our honor. Uh, I do really, I really do feel now I'm having, now I'm jonesing for the gym a little bit. I'm like, <laughs> oh man, remember when you would like, yeah, do like a double workout and you'd be like, God, I'm so, I'm so cool. <laughs> My life is so cool. Just like hanging out at the gym. It would feel good. It would feel really good. And then you would, oh, like lifting with you guys. Like I really, I finally felt like I was making really some headway into the direction I wanted to go. And then quarantine was just like, you know, screw you. And I was like, fine, be that way. I'm leaving California. <laughs> hey, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. And I hope that today's episode made you think a little bit about how you could apply some of what we're talking about to yourself and your behaviors and let us know if you find any of it meaningful. Make sure to tune in for the next episode where we will continue to have somewhat circular conversations that may be helpful. They will be. They will be helpful. <laughs> it's what you take away from them. Wow. Right. The more you know. Mm-hmm.